Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And again. welcome to our second attempt at doing the podcast because yours truly forgot to hit save after we did it the first time. Maybe this one will be better. Maybe this one will be worse. We did get interrupted a lot with the last one. So yeah, maybe maybe like, we can liter- streamline this one a little more. <laughs> literally, the FBI showed up during the last one. Yeah, that was fun. We had the FBI um, coming over to the church doors and pulling on them, and I was like, "Hey, you might want, <laughs> hey Pastor Chad, you might want to go check out the guy with the badge <laughs> and the gun. You go check out the guy with the gun." Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't see the gun. I saw the badge, <laughs> but yeah, it's like um, you. you just... So, so j- just just to be clear, like we're not being arrested or investigated or anything. no. Um, they they were huh, strangely enough checking how safe our facility is in case we have um, a situation like they had in Uvalde, Texas. And a million other schools, let's be honest. Yeah. I I don't think... Schools, shopping, yeah. I don't think a preschool has been affected yet. Not that I'm looking to break news here. Um, I don't (laughs) think we've had a shooting at a preschool, but I could be wrong about that too. Yeah. Um, Well... Anyway, the text anyway, for this week. The text for this week actually kind of spoke into that situation. It was about Christ emptying himself um, and Christ being, you know, becoming, uh, you know, the servant, the person who all, all, all the stuff is laid upon for our sake kind of thing. And looking at kind of the, the, the point in my, my sermon is I was... Pulling on what strength, power, especially godhood, looked like in the Roman world. When you, when you talked about the Roman gods, you know, what were you talking about? You were talking about strength and power and victory and crushing your enemies. And it was very brutal. And Jesus kind of upends that whole thing by saying, actually, I'm the one that all that brutality comes upon. Um, so that... that that emptying of the self um, in order to, in particular, to serve others. And how our culture, and every culture, quite frankly, I mean, let's face it, you're not going to find many cultures that are going to emulate the way Christ is trying to um, get people to (laughs) emulate how they serve, how they they operate in the world. He's, he's an outlier um, because all, everybody else, the rest of the world, is pretty much going to see strength and power and violence, et cetera, as all kind of being hand in hand. So our society really isn't all that different from a Roman society in that regard. Um, so so when, we, when we do these podcasts, I've kind of started the practice of walking around the sanctuary while I talk and listen and we do the podcast. So my phone rings in the middle of those things sometimes. And so, so what's, really, what's really interesting, like in, in walking around, I can obviously see like traffic that goes by depending which direction I'm walking. So nothing quite typifies our American political system right now than a truck driving by with a political flag that's hauling literal junk. <laughs> and so, I, like a like a couple minutes ago, like I was, I, like, I literally laughed, 
And like, well, gee, isn't that picture worth a thousand words? Like, that's the perfect political commentary, political cartoon in real life, literally driving by the church, a political flag on a truck that's hauling a bunch of junk. Wow. <laughs> Lovely metaphor. I think we can just end the podcast. With, if I could get that picture, we'll put that picture up. And, like, and just let that speak for itself. Well, and you know, one of one of the things that you know we have we have noted before, um, and was something that so after I gave my sermon, had a uh, member who used to be part of the DoD, used to work for the the Department of Defense, and kind of came out and he, um, and I'm not going to go into this particular discussion, but you know he was sort of a you know, doing the whole, so you do know what the original point of the Second Amendment was, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, I know. But he went into more detail. But at the end of the day, he finally goes, you know, our problems all stem from one thing. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, money. <laughs> and he said, yeah. He goes, I said, I, I, I was taught a long time ago, um, follow the money. And so again, there's that, that reason. I, at the end of my sermon, I actually pulled back in um, your text from a couple weeks ago yep. about the rich man who would not give up his stuff yeah. and said, you know, this is not just about he didn't want to give away money because money gave him something. Money gave him power and status and... When you give up money, you don't just give up money. And, and, and the reality is, the, the reason that Jesus spoke so frequently about money was because he knew the power it had. Right. Um, and part of that power is influence. Money buys influence. Yep. So, like, it doesn't take a genius to figure, to go, okay, so why are we unwilling to have a conversation, a real conversation, not a one-sided conversation where, well, unfortunately, where so much is devolved into where you can't actually have multiple, have a conversation where both people listen and, and actually hear each other and, and work together to come to a, come to some sort of resolution. I don't care what it is. Um, in this instance, it's okay. So, what is it that we can do, you know, to end our um, fetish of guns and uh, uh, mass shootings? You call it a fetish. I called it idolatry. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm still going to stick with that. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, because it's an uh, obsession. It's a. It is. So I I so I paused. So like, okay, so do we want to go? No, we're not going to go psychology. Um, no, no. We're not going to go Freud. No, let's not go there. Um, but if you follow the money, so you know why? You go, man. And on both sides, let's let's be correct, clear. Correct. That um, the the day the Supreme Court decided corporations and organizations could give to campaigns as quote individuals was kind of the beginning of the end um, in terms of yeah. any of our politicians actually serving and working for the people. Yeah. I mean, not to get too much 
on that, but the reality is they're all owned by somebody, by some corporation, by some lobby um, that pads their pockets. And as I've said before, no one leaves Washington poor. I mean, if you're going to give me $3 million to vote for something. But that's what also then stops this conversation. 90% right. of Americans want something done. Yeah. Now, we may not all agree on what that something is. There are some, sm there are some small areas in which, in which people actually agree. Yeah. We, in we, terms of like background checks and things like that. Right. We um, have 90% of Americans want this done, and we right. can't get anything done. Why? Because one particular entity is shoving so much money at it that our politicians won't act. And that's, I mean, that's the, the reality that we're living in right now. Um, and until we solve the... Until we solve the money problem, we're not going to really solve the shooting problem that we have. Right. Or, I mean, frankly, and it's not just that. I mean, or any other problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, tons of, I'm just focusing on this particular one because you know, look it's, what's, at, you know, look it's what's here in our, our face yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you, look at, you know. I'll say uh, with mental health care. Yeah. Or, or I, I mean, or, you know, pharmaceuticals or... Yeah. Immigration. I mean, if you follow the money, there's a reason that that we don't do anything. Yeah. Um, well, and again, it's you know, for for the people who say, well, it's a mental health care crisis. Okay. Yep. So let's put money into that. Yep. No, we're not going to do that. Yep. So. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I said in, in the in the first edition of the podcast. <laughs> um, you know. Okay. So let's let's pretend we can't. Let's pretend guns aren't the issue. Um, and, and I'm not saying guns are solely the issue because I'm not a believer that guns are solely the issue. I think it's, multi, it's multifaceted. So the, one of the pushbacks is, well, it's not the guns that are a problem. It's, it's, it's sick people or it's, you know, whatever. Okay. My the, favorite is when they say sin and I just kind of go, well, good luck solving that one. Yeah. So let's say the issue, no, let's not say. Let's, let's acknowledge that one of the issues it's mental health. Yes. It is. One of the issues is absolutely mental health. Okay, then let's fund it. Let's fund mental health. If we want to talk about schools, then let's actually... Fund the schools. Let's actually have our school counselors and our school guidance counselors doing... Wait for it. Wait for it. I have an idea. What if our school counselors actually did counseling? But we have them doing all kinds of other things in the course of their day that doesn't allow them to do the counseling with students that they need to do. Right. So, so if, if in our schools, one of the issues is mental health, okay, then let's actually do something about it. And I'm going to be honest, when I was in high school, I did not know that my school, I knew who my school counselor was. I did not know that... The function, supposedly, of a school counselor was if you had a problem to go talk to them. So that I, was that's never what it was about. It was always about academics. It was always about trying yeah. to get into a college. That's when you saw the, the, the counselor. I had no clue that a counselor was supposed to like, be dealing with, with problems. That, so that's one area, at least in my girls' elementary school, that, 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 and, and maybe, maybe it's just our family because we're kind of tuned into that into the mental health thing, you know, being my wife kind of like teaches counselor education. Um, you know, so our kids were aware that what, 
what the role of the of the counselor was, and I've gone to see her, and she's done, she's been done amazing work. Unfortunately, she's resigning this year. One because the position that she's put in doesn't actually allow her to do the work that she feels called to do, right? Which is counseling kids. So let so let's say that mental health is an issue and a component. Okay, then let's address it. Let's say well, bullying is an issue. Okay, then let's actually have a conversation about that. Let's say you know, I mean, I mean. You can point to any ish, any one facet of this issue, and let's let's say we're we're just not willing to to talk about you know background checks, assault rifles, you know magazine capacities. Okay, that, okay, that's fine. Let's not have that conversation. Okay, don't have that conversation. Then fundamental health, fundamental health, make mental health insurance actually viable and usable beyond you know, the ridiculously underfunded um, portion. If, if you look in your, in your insurance coverage, what your mental health coverage is, it's crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, it's terrible. Yeah, well. It's absolutely terrible. So, uh, so let's, so if mental health is an issue, then you know what, let's address it. Right. But we don't want to do that either. Okay, so let's say that the issue, there's just so many areas well, and we, you know, we, we've talked before about um, budgets being moral documents, where you are willing to, in you know, put your money, um, is what you value. And even in the church, you know, we look at this and we say, okay, yep. well, where where are we going to, you know, people say, for instance, youth ministry is really important. We really think this is something that we need to do. Then it's like, okay, well, then support it financially, support it by volunteering, support it in, in, you know, ways that actually make us think that it is important um, and that this is something you want to, you know, see flourish and grow. But when we, you know, have no resources, um, you know, we we aren't able to necessarily uh, get all the best, you know, things to do the ministry, then clearly that's not really what our focus and what, our, what, what we value. Right. Um, and I think the same can be said for, for governments and, you know, whether local government or yep. um, federal governments in terms of, you know, what, what do those budgets look like? We, we don't even hesitate to throw whatever the amount is, 80 million, 80 billion, something like that. At, <laughs> um, we, we just don't hesitate to do that for our military um, and, and defense spending. And, but when we start talking about education, health care, um, all those kinds of things to actually help the people living in our country... Um, that we, you know, the things we maybe want to defend, we aren't willing to put that money into it. Yep. Um, teachers have been underpaid and undervalued forever. That's the other, that's the other piece that you know, I brought up this morning, you know, in episode one. Um, <laughs> but sorry, you know, none of y'all got to hear. We're, we're about, we're about to have a major, major teacher crisis. As, I mean, I think we already do. Um, but who, who wants to walk into that environment? So you're tasked with teaching kids, which is a challenge, right? 
Um, Challenging under the best of circumstances. Yeah, yep, never, never easy, never easy. Great profession, never easy. And then you, let's add on top of that, at least here in Florida, now they're trying to navigate what subjects you can and cannot talk about and in what fashion. Right. You so can't, can't talk it, about racism. You right. can't talk about um, LGBTQ issues. Right. So, um, if, so if a kid asks you a question, you know, your options are kind of like, well, I, I just can't answer it. I can't talk about that. Right. Um, and we ha we've created this adversarial relationship often with parents and teachers that almost instead of them working together for, your, for, the, for our kids' education, it's pitting them against each other, which is just ridiculous. Um, and, then, and now we're saying, oh, and by the way, when there's a mass shooter, let's protect them. And here, so over... Oh, and my favorite is, is the people saying, now arm the teachers. And I'm just like, right. oh my gosh, that is such a horrid idea. Right, well, I, I love the meme... This is you don't trust us with books, but you trust us with guns. Yeah, um, like you're not going to trust them to you're not going to trust your teachers to talk about those issues, but you want to give them a deadly weapon. Yeah, I, that they are not properly trained in. They are not, and quite frankly, most of the teachers I know think this is a horrific idea. Well, um, it, and, and 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 let's face it, in you think a trained cop who they were afraid to go in, you yep. really honestly think that, that teachers are, I mean, granted, the, the difference probably is the teacher has no choice because yep. the teacher's in the middle of it anyway. I, I was at, or back home, I have a good friend who was a police officer and in, the, in the Washington, D.C. area, and he's like, man, he said, I, on the range, I, you tell me what to hit and I can hit it. He said, I've been in three instances where what we would, what we would call a shootout. He said, I couldn't hit a thing. <laughs> so th this has been my argument of That's why. That's when it gets real. Yeah. When I was, when I was going through my divorce, um, I had multiple people offer me a gun because that was how dangerous people viewed my ex-husband, who was not quite my ex at that point. And now I had been raised in a family with guns. Um, I had been trained how to use them. Um, I grew up around them. I actually was, you know, fairly good target. Um, was, was, was a good shot. Um, believe it or not, women actually make really good marksmen because we uh, um, have faster reflexes. But I declined every single time. And they finally were, they were like, Why? Why do you not want this? You know how to use it. Why don't you want it? And I just looked at them and I said, because I know myself, first of all, the idea of killing somebody and having to live with that, no thank you. I said, yep. But second of all, knowing that that's probably going to be part of my, my thought process, I will probably hesitate and that hesitation will cost me my life because they will get the gun away from me and shoot me. And therefore, that weapon that I have for my defense because, becomes a weapon that's going to actually wind up killing me. Yeah, and, and it's, it's the adage of if you have it and you pull it, you better use it. Right. And I'm like, I don't want it. And thankfully, when I gave that explanation, 
the people who, you know, were kind of pushing me to do this kind of went, oh, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have one. And I was like, oh, exactly. Yeah. I was like, this, this Well, is... and so you, you touched on this a couple, a couple, a minute ago um, about the effects of actually pulling the trigger. That's the right. other thing. If we're going to talk about mental health, our law enforcement does not get adequate mental health. No, they do not. After, Nor after, does our military. Correct. After the situation. Well, and part um, of it is, my, my dad was going through this with me one time, because when I, I, I kind of go off on this quite a bit. My father is a physician. He said, part of the problem is, um, I, I used to have people in the military who'd come talk to me because they said, I can come talk to you. And I said, well, you really need to talk to a mental health person. They said, I can't. If I go to a mental health counselor, that goes on my record, and they will yank me off duty. Yep. And it's like... Okay, <laughs> um, so they are not getting the help they need because, again, we still stigmatize it. We yep. think the only reason you're going to go talk to somebody for mental health is because you're, you're off the rails somewhere um, and therefore should not be trusted to do X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. Same goes for pilots. Um, very stressful, but if you ever disclose that you are seeing a counselor, they'll yank you from duty. Um, so we have a lot of problems in terms of the stigma attached to mental health and yep. as opposed to saying, Hey, how about we just get everybody counseling and, you know, maybe don't make it a stigma that the only time you ever see a mental health counselor is when you're in crisis. So I, I will, so one of the challenges with counseling is that one of the challenges with counseling is that, oh, I feel better. I don't need it anymore. Right. Or the number of people who just decide that, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, so That's always my favorite. And, and you know, I'll, I'll admit, um, I, I, was, I was in counseling and I stopped. Um, I felt like I was in a better place. Like I worked through what I wanted to work through at the time. And, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm good. The reality is, like, yeah, I'm good. For now. For now. And maybe, now the good news is I had a good experience, so I don't have that, oh, this counseling is terrible, it's the worst, I can't do this. Um, Finding a good counselor is difficult, I will admit to that. It is. It is, it is very hard to find a decent, I'm not going to go into my, some of my experiences here in Florida, but it, it, I'll just say it's very difficult. Right. It's a, it's a give and take. It's a learning process. It's finding the right fit. It's all those sort of things, just like anything else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this idea that we, that we can't um, have any conversations that help solve problems. And, and in this instance, you know, your sermon this weekend was you're directly addressing the gun issue um, right. and, and, ma and violence and mass shooting issue, which is overwhelmingly an American problem. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, kind of makes you go, huh, wonder what it is in our society that, um, that makes us so susceptible. But even without going into that, I mean, my thing, one of the things I really, I've really kind of struggled with over the last couple of days is just our, our inability, and this is not breaking news, our inability to have conversations. Right. That, that are working to solve a problem, working together to solve an issue. 
So part of the text today, or um, on Sunday, was Paul imploring us to um, be of one mind, to have unity, et cetera, et cetera. And I just flat out said, we're not. We're not unified, even as Christians. We, we are, even within this congregation, to, you know, to heck with Christianity as a whole, um, we do not have unity on this issue. Nope. Um, we are not unified. We are not of one mind. We, you know, definitely have, um, you know, a, you know, I, I, before one of the services started, I mean, I heard somebody, you know, already going, you know, oh, they just, they're going to use this, try to take our guns away. And I, <sighs> I will say that this issue, at least, there's sort of a unification of saying, oh, you know what, there's, there's a problem. Now, what that problem is and how it's dealt with is where the, right. the disconnect comes in. But at least in this instance, okay, this is, racism, for instance, there are people who will say racism is not an issue. Right. Which, uh, sorry, they're wrong. Um, but at least if this, and maybe that's what makes this so frustrating for me. You know, there, there's, there's pretty widely accepted, um, it's pretty widely accepted that we got a problem. But we're just not. We just not. We're just not in agreement on yep. what, where where the problem lies. And then we can't have a serious conversation about right. how. Well, like I said, I mean, you know, you get. It's a sin problem. It's a you know, and and I'm like, well, yeah, but here's the thing. Number one, what is the sin? <laughs> oh, maybe our idolatry of guns. Um, but the other thing is, is there's a reason we make laws and rules. And do you know what that reason is? Nope. To rein in sin. (laughs) To kind of try and get a handle on the fact that, yes, we do have this propensity for sinful behavior. And laws are there. This is uh, Luther's first use of the law. um, Is to mitigate the effects of sin. So... Maybe making certain laws and, and rules could potentially, I mean, if you think about this, the, um, the Parkland shooter, this shooter, all waited till it was legal and then just walked in, bought their AR-15, and went on a shooting spree. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, you know, I don't even want to go into what, what the bullet of an AR-15 does to a child's body. Well, to anybody's body, quite frankly, but the, the yeah. Like I said, I, th- I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. The part that got me was the DNA testing because that's how horrible and the damage is. I read, that, I read that two of the families... We're considering an Emmett Till style service. Correct. Um, so, so for those who don't know, so Emmett Till was brutally beaten to death um, by by Klansmen. And his mother decided that she wanted an open casket so, so that the world could see, could see just how brutally um, her son died. Right. Horrific. Um, however... You know, out of that, you know, there's there's some who believe that that was really for for a number. That was of, the tipping point. That was a tipping point for a number of people. That and um, 
some of the protests in Montgomery, in Montgomery, Alabama, where they were literally releasing police dogs on children. Um, and when that footage hit, people were like, oh, whoa, that's like horrific. Like, we're, we're, we're sicking dogs on, on kids because, you know, they, wow, like that's, hor that's horrific. Um, I mean, that's an impossible position to put a parent in. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I read that there's several of the parents that are considering allowing the media to share right. the images. Right. Um, because they're, they're at that point of, you know. Here's the deal. won't matter. No, I don't think so. Because everybody thinks it's horrific. However, money yeah. trumps emotion. Um, that's the reality. And, and again, that's why Jesus talked about money so, so much. Not that money itself... Well, it trumps emotion and the other, the other element to this is our notions of, quote, individual freedoms. Yep. That we have decided for whatever reason that individual freedoms mean I get to do whatever I want and, and it doesn't matter who else it affects or who it hurts. Yep. And that has never been the point, especially within Christianity. Your, your individual freedom is only freedom in terms of being able, you are free to help your neighbor. Um, you are free to do things that are not harmful toward your neighbor. The minute they become harmful toward your neighbor, done. And we seem to have forgotten that part of it. Yep. We think our individual freedom means we can just do whatever the heck we want and who cares who it hurts. So, you know, it's, well, but I want to be able to own this gun for whatever reason um, that, you know, serves no purpose other than to rip huge holes in people because you're not going to go hunting with it. it. It's going to absolutely decimate whatever animal you're, you're killing. So... Um, I think, I think the, again, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure they will, I've heard, because I've heard this. Well, beyond the rights part, well, like, why do you need it? Well, it, I just want to shoot it. It's fun. Right? It's fun. Okay. Oh, okay. So you want to go target shooting with, with an AR-15 because it's fun. I, as a kid loved playing lawn darts. Lawn darts, you put a, you put a circle out. You, you have can't this, buy lawn this, darts this anymore. This big dart, and you toss it in the air, and it has a metal, it's not even really that sharp, spike, and it sticks in the ground, and you get points for you know, landing your dart in a circle. You know why you can't buy lawn darts anymore? Because they're dangerous. You might hit somebody. One kid yep. lost an eye. From a lawn dart. Now, that sounds like, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. I mean, literally, one kid lost an eye from a lawn dart. And boom, you can no longer buy And we can no longer buy, enjoy and have the pleasure of a Memorial Day weekend playing a game of lawn darts. You know, my parents still have lawn darts, and I think I, like, will confiscate them at some point because mm -hmm. you can't find them anymore. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, and and I, I'm probably, I shouldn't, 
probably go here. Um, you know, to me, it's like, well, okay, so you enjoy it. So why is it so horrible that maybe you have to jump through a few hoops to have access to that in order to enjoy it? Why, why does it need to come with absolutely no re regulations, no restrictions, no, no anything? Right. Um, which I don't think was, I mean, we had a lot of, I mean, you got to remember, these actually were banned up until 90, I can't remember when did they, or maybe it was in 2000-something, like 2005-ish, maybe. I can't remember the ex exact dates. But those kinds of guns were banned, and then they lifted the ban. And yep. then suddenly we have this, you know, explosion of, of, shootings that use these particular weapons yep. and there's a correlation so yes it's mental health it doesn't mean that you still aren't going to have people go out but my gosh you can you can limit the amount of damage they're able to do um, well Cain killed Abel with a rock right we didn't, I mean we didn't yeah, somebody somebody's hell-bent on hurting someone else you're not going to probably stop that um, but you can mitigate the amount of damage that is done. Yeah. And, you know, we recognize you, you can't um, completely, you can't make sin disappear. You, <laughs> as much as we would love for that to happen, um, you know, we have a, a crucified Christ because of the fact that our sin does not disappear. Um, and it's our sin that killed him. It's our sin that, that put him up on that cross. And, um, you know, that, that notion of him emptying himself, becoming a slave. Because, you, you know, the, the, the role of, an, of a slave and a servant is that's the one who does all the work. So that, and, and their life becomes shorter in order that you, as, quote, the master, can have a little bit of a cushier life that, that doesn't, um, undergo all of that abuse. Yeah. And recognizing that's basically kind of... But you have to realize, too, then, then who does Christ identify with? It's going to not be the person who's having the cushy life. It's <laughs> Christ identifies with the oppressed, the marginalized, etc., because that is who he became. And that's really hard to grasp. Yes. Because it's, it's countercultural. Yes. Like, we don't, like, how many, you know, children's books and fairy tales are there where the, the slave or whatever is the, is the hero? Ooh, I mean, Cinderella, maybe. Yeah, maybe Cinderella. Mm -hmm. but that's well, I mean, she... um, what, what was, was the movie? Gladiator. <laughs> Yeah, but again, that's how, how, was, how did he become a hero? Yep. Through strength and brutality. Through strength and brutality. Right. Um, so, I, I yeah. mean. F finding, finding that way, I mean, on the one hand, the Jesus story is compelling, and on the other hand, um, you're going to find a whole bunch of Christians out there who do not see Jesus in that role. They do right. not see Jesus as the crucified Christ, as the servant, as the, the marginalized. 
They see Jesus as the sword-wielding, um, strong, you know, they, they don't see him as the sacrificial lamb. He's, he's, he's angry Jesus, masculine Jesus, um, which, I mean, entire denominations are kind of wrapped around that, which is why um, some denominations, uh, <clears throat> Southern Baptist, it, it recently had that report that came out of over 700 sexual abuse cases because, you know, that's what happens when there's no accountability and your view is that men are stronger and better and women have no voice. Yep. And not that that doesn't still happen in some of our congregations and in our denomination. We're smaller denominations, so we probably aren't going to have as many. Um, but like I've said before, at least women have a voice to some degree. We yeah. don't get listened to a lot, but at least we're allowed to speak. Well, I mean, in, in, in fairness, I mean, we, we have a female presiding bishop. Right. Um, now, again, does that mean that everything is, is right? No. But, I mean, we've, we're, in some ways we're ahead of the game, in other ways we still have a long way. And yet, we're ahead of the game in some ways, and yet we still have a long way to go. Right. Um, we, we have a long way to go, but at least we, we finally have a seat at the table, so to speak. Um, but, but those, those ideas of, of, and this is probably a trigger word, but you know, what I would call toxic masculinity kind of things are prevalent in Christianity, prevalent in our society. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You don't, no, no offense, you know, don't, don't mean to pick on a gender, but you don't see a lot of women picking up guns and going on shooting rampages. Nope. Um, not that it's completely unheard of, but it is not common. Nope. And, and honestly, if we're, be, if we're in terms of like the mass shooting portion of, of gun violence, it's predominantly white men. Predominantly, yes. Not entirely. Like, no, we, we know the latest one was not, but right. um, yes, the, the prevalence of it definitely is um, a, a particular demographic <laughs> of, of white men. Um, and I, I find it interesting also in our society, we're quick to call other, if it's coming from outside of our country, we'll call it terrorism. If it's happening within our country, we won't. Nope. And but let's face it, what we're being terrorized and, you know, our children are having to be traumatized, not just because if they're the ones, you know, being part of it, but they have to go through shooter drills. We just had somebody, you know, ask us today, what, what's, our, what's our protocol? What, what's our protocol for our preschool? Um, yep. Like you said, the FBI guy was here today to kind of, check out our security and things like that. We're putting our little kids through, you know, things like, hey, if somebody wants to come kill you, here's what you need to do. I, re I remember the first, the first time at the, at the dinner table when Anime was talking about the shooter drill at school. Mm -hmm. I literally sat there and cried. Yeah. Um, 
I was just like, what in the hell is wrong with us? I mean, like, it's one thing to have a tornado drill where, okay, weather does certain things in certain parts of the country. I grew up in Nebraska. We had tornado drills. You ducked under the desk, covered your head, hoped for the best. Um, because at my high school actually was destroyed by a tornado. Uh, luckily, there was only one teacher in the building at the time, and <laughs> guess what he did? Not for them. wasn't lucky. <laughs> well, but do you want to know what he did? He got under his desk. <laughs> when the ceiling, like, flew away, he realized there was a problem and duck, ducked under his desk. Um, survived it, but uh, it... It's one thing when it's, okay, this is, this is a threat, and we have zero control over, over weather. We have zero control over where a tornado is going to hit. Here's a reality. The, the, the shooter problem to me is something we have some control over. Not full control, but we have some. There are things we can do. And we just don't. You were going to say. This, this text really calls us to be more like Christ. Correct. I mean, honestly, well, that's kind of like the call of Scripture in general, to be more like Christ. At some point, I don't know when, but at some point, it would seem to be that if we're going to call ourselves a Christian nation, we really truly need to start emulating Christ just a little bit. Or, we, or frankly, I mean, we just... We just can't honestly make that claim. We yeah. can't make that claim that we're a Christian nation if we're not going to even pretend to act like it. Yeah. And I know that's hard. But, man. Right. Um, I, I mean, we've had that discussion before. Um, I mean, it, it's that that if we're we're going to actually like want to call ourselves a Christian nation, we need to do some other things. <laughs> I mean, we we have segments of society who are more angry about who someone loves than about gun violence. Yeah, like that, like that. That's heartbreaking to me. And you, I think you could disagree with with same sex marriage if you want to. That's fine. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's fine. I don't believe it's fine. I, I, get, I get that people disagree with it, and I understand where they pull, where they get that from. But literally, there are people who are more upset and bothered more and are more vocal about same-gender relationships. Than about how we're treating Than about how we're treating our kids, how we're treating guns, and and the effects it has, not just on our kids, but on our teachers and, and, our, and our overall society. Um, well, and I find... It, it's... it's our, our, our text, again, going back to our, our text for today was, you know, or for Sunday, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you, that was in Christ Jesus. So the interest of others, so the interest of my interest is my kid's safety at school. 
Maybe that's not other people's interest. And maybe I just have to come to terms with the fact that I care more about my kid's safety at school and my adult, my adult son as well, being that he's a teacher. Maybe I just need to, cut, need to come to grips with, I care a hell of a lot more about my kid's safety in school than other people do. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have children. Um, and so when we're talking about looking not to my own interests, but to the interests of others, I'm going to say I'm looking out for the interests of other people and their children because I don't have children, so what do I care? But I do care because this is not good for us. This is not good for us as a society. Um, we, wa we, wonder why, we wonder why kids' mental health is on the decline. Well, yeah. Man, kids these days, they're, you know, I, I forget how people often phrase it, but you know, they start kind of you know, denigrating kids for wanting counseling and, quote, being soft. And it's like, right, do you see what we're putting them through? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, literally, what do we put them through? Um, we, we have also, we, you know, and this kind of, I think, is part of the we can't listen to each other is we have lost learning how to be humble. We have to be right. My way or the highway. Yeah. Um, I, so I will, I, will, I, I will confess a, I missed the big picture. So one of the other, so we'll, we'll say like the politics train, because that seems to be one of the things that's divisive. Um, the $15 minimum wage. I, on the record, have, I believe that it's the $15 minimum wage is important and should be a thing. And then you look at the realities for small businesses, for our preschool, for you know, other, other such institutions. You go, oh, okay, that's great in theory. And also, huh, that really is hard to do. It's hard to do. And, and I, I should say I, we, you know, myself and our, our, our council and our admin team are trying like hell, you know, to get those raises, get those wages, you know, particularly for some of our newer preschool teachers, um, to a higher standard. And, and we, we're not there yet. We're trying like hell. Um, and also, it's hard. Like, so, so, I, so again, in, in, the, in a perfect world, you know, because I think often, you know, we talk about these things and we, and we visualize, you know, the CEO of Publix or the CEO of Walmart or um, right, these, or uh, Amazon, you know, where your where your CEOs CEOs are making millions and billions of dollars, and you go, man, you, you seriously, you can't pay your people, right? You got you got you're, you've got employees on welfare, and you're letting the state like uh, um, pick up the the slack yeah. while you're making billions because you don't pay them a living wage. Yeah. And don't the first quarter profit for Chevron. This year, first quarter this year versus first quarter last year, is up like 33%. Well, of course it is, because the actual price per barrel of gas actually is not as high <laughs> right. um, as the gas pump would indicate. But wages are high. But it costs more to pump. Well, you know what? They're making a hell of a lot more money. Woohoo! Congratulations. Um, yeah. you know, talk about 
you know, people suffering, but not making more money. So again, I think when we talk about issues like the $15 minimum wage, again, we, 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 which is why it's so important to have those conversations. Because I was like, yeah, hell yeah, we did a $15 minimum wage. This is crap. You got to be able to pay your people. And then look at what we're paying, you know, our, our full range of staff and go, oh, crap. Well, Hello, the, that look in the mirror wasn't so pleasant. Right. Well, and, and the reality, too, then, is that, um, you know, the answer to that possible solution of, well, okay, you have to have a minimum wage of this if your yep. profit margin is X, Y, or Z, but then that's regulation, and we don't like regulation, blah, 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 blah. And that's yep. where, you know, it all, again, falls apart. So unless you do it for everybody, then you have to actually institute a regulation. And yeah, just... I know when, when we lived in Gainesville, um, one of our friends was a preschool, worked at the preschool our kids were at. We were, they were paying people like nine fifty an hour to care for my kids. <laughs> That's laughable. Yeah. $9.50 an hour. And we're saying, we're saying to, you know, Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future. Um, Blah blah. Again, it, but, it all goes but, back to what what do we what do we value? Yeah, what we actually value. Let's value some Jesus. Let's value some Jesus's teaching. Who humbled we, himself and became obedient to the point of death. And, and we got you know, so we got Pentecost coming up this coming week. Holy Spirit stuff, yep. which again, you know, sort of jokingly and yet not jokingly, you know, I often poke fun at Lutherans. Um, lack of willingness to be open to the Holy Spirit. Um, I think, I, honestly, I think we've earned that really. We've really earned that. It's really interesting in worship, particularly our 930 service. You know, you stand at the back and, you, <laughs> and, and you're looking up. This side versus this side. And you get, you get some people that, man, they just cannot stay still. They're like, man, I'm, I'm dancing or you know, Lutheran dancing. We're not talking like break dancing. You know, running we're, around we're, we're not talking assemblies of God. Type. Just just a little bit of movement, you know, maybe some clapping, some hands in the air. And then you got other people that literally um, it's an arms folded. Um, and I'm, it's almost like I'm tolerating being in worship for the music um, as opposed to like really just letting go and worshiping. Um, and I get it. It's your own preference. And I think there's decades of layers of reasons for all that stuff. But it's just, it's just really interesting when we talk about you know, the Holy Spirit and, and how that visually plays out. And I told this story before. I had a lady in the congregation that served in Gainesville. We served together in Detroit at one of the youth, at one of the youth gatherings. And we were, we were helping, we were volunteering um, during the hip-hop worship service. And I look over, and her hands are in the air, and she is just going nuts. And I walked over, and I said, what are you doing? Why don't, why don't you do that at home? She was, are you kidding me? They look like I was nuts. They'd kill me. Like, man, what a shame. You know, what a shame that we're concerned about how others view our style of worship rather than just letting go and worshiping God. Right. And since we're not, we're likely not going to have a podcast next week. You know, that's my take right. on the Holy Spirit. Yes. Let the You're Holy Spirit in and and, yeah. and just let go. Be more giving, concerned. Giving our brief little little here at the end, talk about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit because... Yeah, um, I'm, I'm off to Nashville he, with our youth on Nash Sunday. Yeah, so, Nashville. Um, so, I, you know, let, let the Holy Spirit in and let the Holy Spirit move you how the Holy Spirit moves you. Just let go. Let go. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this mission trip because I think for our youth, it, 
there are a lot of Holy Spirit moments on, on youth mission trips. Um, the difficulty when you come back is trying to replicate those highs because you're just not going to. Um, it's a different well, context. Well, and, and Pentecost, so we're, we're doing confirmation this weekend too. Yep. And remembering that um, your sons, you know, it, it includes your sons and your daughters. It's like, you know, there's, there's not an age, age limit on when the Holy Spirit, like, moves you. Nope. Get moving. But let Spirit. your sons and your daughters prophesy, and um, so that's our hope for our confirmation kids: is that the Holy Spirit is going to be active in moving them in in faith and and living that out. And I think Nashville will be a good. I think it'll be awesome. I'm looking yeah, forward to I, it. I think it'll be good for them. I'm not looking forward to I, like a week on an air mattress, but. No, but I've been there, done that, and otherwise it'll be. A, it'll and it be honestly, awesome. it is not that bad. It's it's not horrible. Yeah. Um, I've done a couple of the youth works. Yeah, they're uh, great trips. Yeah, they're they're good trips. Um, but so that's our plug for for Pentecost. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, thanks for joining in, and I'll try to remember to hit save this time. So we there will, will not, not probably talk to you next week. And there will not be a take three of this one. No, probably not talk to you, to you next week, but um, hopefully the week after that. So until then, um, be well, be safe, and talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.